two hunters came across this bear while they were hunting, but it wasn't just any bear. It was a huge bear. And so it caused the hunters to run. Now, as they're running, which by the way, I don't really think you can run away from a bear if you like look it up, but in the story, they ran away from the bear fast enough for one hunter to climb a tree, which is another thing they tell you not to do because bears can climb trees. So he climbed the tree and the other one ran into a cave. Now, the bear wasn't super hungry at this moment and was like, you know what? Cave is right there. The tree is right there. I'm just going to sit right here in the middle. And whichever one comes out first will be my dinner. And he figured I'll just be patient and wait. So as they were there, all of a sudden, out of the blue, the hunter that was in the cave came rushing out, rushing out. He looked at the bear, screamed, ah, and ran back in the cave. Now the guy in the tree is like watching this, and he's like, that was weird. All of a sudden, the hunter from the cave comes running out again, ah, and goes back in the cave. Now the guy in the tree is like, what is wrong with him? He's truly lost it. He's lost it. So the third time he does it, ah, runs back in the cave. And now this friend's like, just stay in there. Why? We're going to wait it out until the bear leaves. Don't keep coming out. He was yelling out frantically, like, just like, you know, Chris, are you crazy? Why do you keep coming out? And Chris said, I can't because there's another bear in there. So he was put in a hard place because there was bears on both sides. On a serious note, February in 1925, on a day in February, there's a gentleman called Floyd Collins. And he was, an ex- I guess he was like an explorer. And he was exploring Sand Cave in Kentucky. And apparently, like, it's, it's pretty intense and it goes down deep. And he's in there and all of a sudden... His lantern fails him, and now he's in the middle of this darkness, complete darkness in this cave all by himself. And so what he's doing is he's trying to find his way through the darkness. And he trips, he hits something, he falls. I'm not sure the details because different articles have it different ways. But what ends up happening is a boulder ends up on his leg from inside the cave. Now he's pinned sideways. This one author kind of like, he made it so, uh, like, yeah, he was, he was on these, like this, this, this uh, rock-made coffin is what he called it. Like, you know, like he, he was in this perfect coffin because it was about 12 feet long in the space that he was laying in, and it was about eight um, inches wide. So he's in an eight-inch wide. He's, he's stuck in this tight little spot sideways. Now, of course, he's yelling. He's screaming. Um, there was some other explorers that weren't in that part of the cave, but they heard him, and eventually they realized somebody was down there. They tried for how many, how many times? How many? I think they tried for, I think they got him out 17 days later. Unfortunately, they were a day too late, and Floyd died alone in the darkness in that cave. I don't want to die in a cave. I don't know who does, but when we ask ourselves, do you want to die in a cave, I don't think any of us are saying, yeah, that's me. I do. Keeping this cave theme... See, we're in a cave. If you guys didn't know what, this is a cave right now. And the rest of the church has been caveified. <laughs> and um, it's been pretty neat. But today we're going to talk about a man in the Bible that ended up in a cave. We'll see what took him there, and we'll see what gets him out and how that all applies to us. So first, I want to ask you guys to turn to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 4.
says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went along alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, I want to skip down to verse 9 and want to read from 9 to 15 so that you guys can understand the full context of things that are going on right here in this story. From there, he went on into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But, but the Lord was not in the wind. And, the Lord, and after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. That's important. We'll talk about that in a minute. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts because the children of Israel had forsaken your covenant. He tore down your altars. He's saying it all over again, right? He killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. The Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Funny thing is, just reading that out loud, God didn't seem to care what he had to, his reason was for him being in the cave. I mean, do you guys notice that? Why are you here? Oh, I'm here because this. They're killing prophets. I'm the only one left. He's like, all right, get up and go do this. But you know, the thing is that many of us need to be spoken to that way. Because if not, we will never leave the cave. Let's start off by, I don't know, that's it. It's over. Sermon's over. Um, <laughs> Let's start off by saying that Elijah was an awesome man. Let's give the man his props, right? Because I know how it is, you know, like Peter. I mean, we talk about Peter walking on water. We don't talk about the walking on water. We talk about how he, oh, he doubted. He fell in the thing. He got scared. Bro, this, the guy still walked on water, right? And so, so let's give Elijah his props. The guy was an amazing and awesome man of God. Uh, we see that uh, as a response of Israel turning away from God, uh, he went before the Lord, and he was like, "Lo, he prayed that God will hold the rain. And guess what happened? It didn't rain for three and a half years. That's, that's, that's a big thing, right? That's a huge thing. Elijah prays, and fire falls from heaven, consumes the sacrifice to show the whole world that he, truly, that he serves a true God, Right? Elijah then goes and kills 400 prophets of Asherah, 450 prophets of Baal. He then, you know, later on he prays for, the, for, for uh, the drought to end, for God to send rain. And God's like, all right, and sends the rain. How many of us have been able to do that? <laughs> you got to give him his props. The guy is an amazing man of God. He's godly. He's courageous. 
He had to be courageous to stand before 850 false prophets, right? Alone, right? Yet, as courageous as he was, when he's threatened by Jezebel, he runs for his life and finds himself in a cave. In a cave. It reminds us, one, that Elijah is still human. He's still human. Sometimes what happens is we see men and women of God that God uses in such a powerful way, and we almost strip those people of their humanity. And we expect some unrealistic, my son was mentioning this in the men's, in the men's night on, on Friday night, how sometimes we put some unrealistic expectations on people thinking that, that they can never let us down, they can never go wrong and so forth like that. We strip them of their humanity because of how God has used them. And all of a sudden, we, we, we go crazy when that person fails us or lets us down. It reminds us that he's subject to human emotions. There are times that our emotions and our feelings get the best of us. Can we say amen? amen. Yes, that happens. And we all respond in different ways. Some people get really angry. Some people get really sad. Some people get a little too happy sometimes. I don't know. But our emotions can get the best of us. And eventually, we can find ourselves in a cave as a result of it. But understand this this morning, that no matter the depth of the cave, the reason of the cave, the, the, the size of the cave, the problems that brought you there, God can bring you out today. He can bring you out today. So Elijah, having done all those great things, he's still human. He still bleeds just like we bleed, right? He's, uh, the emotions get the best of him. He's overwhelmed. He finds himself in this cave. And uh, if there was no interaction here, he pretty much could have wasted away his life in that cave. Can you imagine if the conversation, if there was no conversation with God, if there was no uh, intervention at this moment, he would have either stayed there in that cave, withered away, or eventually ended his life. But God brought him out. Do you know that instead of bringing God glory in how we live our life, Many of us are currently wasting away in a cave. Uh, do you guys understand that? Some of you guys are like, I ain't in no cave. Some of us, some of us are wasting away in a cave as opposed to being outside the cave glorifying God in how we live, in how we speak, in, in, in the things that we do, how we serve him, how we love people. We are failing to bring him glory. And we'd rather stay in a cave. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 15 says, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. We are to be the light. We can't be the light in this world if we're covering it with a basket. If we're taking this light and taking it down into the depths of a cave where it can't shine out in this world. We weren't created to be cave dwellers. And then some of you are like, well, I don't know. The cavemen were first. They lived in cave. No, don't, don't think into it too much. We, we, we weren't designed to be cave dwellers, meaning, meaning, I know, and listen, I know there are different personality types. Some people like to be home more than others. I'm not talking about that necessarily. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about we weren't created to just hunker down and be alone. We weren't created that way. Some of us say, well, I like feeling that way. Well, guess what? That's not what we were created for. We were created for fellowship. We were created for to go out and to spread the love of God. 
by the way, by, by, by loving others. We can't love others with the love of God if we always by ourselves. Elijah fell victim to his emotions. He's in this cave, and this morning, I want to just touch on some of the things that brought him to that cave, and then we'll talk about getting out. So the first thing is, before anything, he got scared of this Jezebel. Jezebel started all this. This is what happens. Why would he fear Jezebel? Why would he fear Jezebel after having such an amazing victory on Mount Carmel? Who was this woman? Well, she was the wife, a pagan wife of King Ahab, right? And he, you know, uh, and uh, although Ahab was king, Jezebel was the type of wife that wore the pants. I, I, she wore the pants. And uh, she would carry out all the tough responsibilities, right? So, so when we read about Ahab and Jezebel, he, you know, the, we, we kind of get this thing like, yo, this dude's a soft guy. Like, he's soft. His, like, she's doing all the hard stuff. She, she's, she's taking charge. She's taking the lead. We say, yo, this guy has no spine. She gets the job done. And she will kill whoever gets in her way. So this is the type of woman that King Ahab is married to. So when King Ahab goes and tells her about Elijah, which, by the way, I mean, you read the, you read the passage about him going back. And t- you can almost picture the soap opera scene, right, in your head. He goes back, and here is this king, and he's like, yo, babe, this dude Elijah just killed like 850 prophets, like, in front of our face. And I can imagine her being the type of woman that she is. Like, what'd you do about it? Oh, you just let him do it? You just let him do it? Send him this message. He's a dead man. I'm going to handle it. Since you can't do it, I'll do it. Right? This, 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 is, this is what's happening in, 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 their, in their bedroom here, the bedroom talk, right? <laughs> I'll do your dirty work. I'll take care of Elijah. Get out of my way. I'll take the matters into my own hands. She didn't respond in fear, but in anger. She quickly turned to threats, intimidation, and revenge. Threats, intimidation, revenge, which to this day are three, qual- three characteristics of the spirit of Jezebel that still operates in today's time. Spirit of Jezebel has been nicknamed like a takeover spirit, right? So she sends word, I'm going to kill you because you killed mine. Some of you guys are still trying to figure out like, yeah, but how could he, why would he run away though? He just did this. Like he just, I mean, I get it. She's, she's, she's some kind of like girl gangster uh, queen. I get it. But, but why would he run away? I mean, she's just one person, and, and he just killed 850 false prophets. I just don't understand it. And, and many of us, I mean, that's automatically the way we think, and I think that way too. Dude, why would you run, though? First, we have to understand that there are some things that made him vulnerable to her threats. What happens is there are things that will create vulnerability in us that if we're not aware that we can be affected even by the little things. Now, this isn't a little thing, but I'm just saying in context, he was a great man of God. How can just her words put a man of God like this on the run? His, his, he had become vulnerable, and there are some things that took him there. Number one, Elijah was physically and emotionally exhausted. I want you guys to understand this, that even just preaching sometimes will drain the life. Like just giving a message 
will drain the life out of somebody. Sometimes teaching a class will drain the life out of somebody. Sometimes you just having a one-on-one with someone that's going through a hard time and you're there as, your, as her brother or sister in Christ, right? And you're there with them and you're praying with them and you're supporting them and encouraging them the way we should. We walk away from that and some of us feel like drained and sapped and exhausted. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And in those moments... We don't think clearly, right? We, got, we know that when we're tired, we don't make the best decisions. We definitely should not be making any important decisions when we're exhausted or stressed out. If he was thinking clearly at this moment, if Elijah was thinking clearly at this moment, his response would have been like, bring it. If he was thinking clearly at this moment, he would have been like, bro, I just, took, I just took out 850 people. I mean, you just won. Like, come on, bring it. God is in control. Bring it. He's, he would have told her, like, God's in control, not you. He would have told himself, I can do all things through Christ's strength with me. He would have he been like, I got this. God's with me. He'll take care of it. I trust him if he would have been thinking clearly. The second thing he did that created a vulnerable state in his life was that he separated himself from strengthening relationships. He left his servant and then went into the wilderness. And that's when you start seeing this whole, I want to die, oh, blah, this and that. Listen, listen, listen carefully. Listen carefully because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend a little bit of time on this. I'm passionate about some of the things I'm going to be saying right now. <laughs> he should have stayed with him and kept or, 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 or kept fellowship with other uh, brothers and sisters that would have encouraged him. A trusted friend, brother, sister in Christ. But he chose to separate himself. Well, that doesn't happen today, does it? Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. So I guess some people do that, right? But encourage one another. But encourage one another. Why do people do this? And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, don't get... Again, if you're going to be offended, then it's probably because you're guilty of it. Um, This this, this, this is the way it is. Because I don't understand, why do people do this? And I'm not saying this so you feel condemned. I'm saying this so you could be like, snap out of it and be like, you know what? He's right. I can't continue this way. Because I understand, like, when things start to get rough, when emotionally, right, we find ourselves in a hard place and our lives are not doing too well and just things are just going on left and right and everywhere around us, instead of, instead of maintaining fellowship, right, and let, let, me, let, me, let me just make it simple. Instead of coming to church, because fellowship, like, oh, I fellowship all the time. <laughs> really? I haven't seen you in six months. Oh, yeah, Pastor, we Fellowship all the time. <laughs> Logging in and playing video games with, with somebody that goes to church isn't fellowshipping with someone from church. So if you're playing and somebody logs in like, yo, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I'm with you. No, that don't count. <laughs> that don't count. Instead of maintaining the fellowship and bringing yourself to this house, which is a place that you will receive encouragement, you stay home. You stay home. You stay home. You must love being depressed. Yo, that's so insensitive, Pastor. You're so insensitive. Every time you think I'm insensitive, remind yourself that I am a United States Marine. And you'd be like, oh, that's probably why. That's probably why. Because we're insensitive because we, we just think about the mission. We think about the end result. Sometimes, you know, we, we have this thing. We say troop welfare, uh, mission before troop welfare. 
And I know people don't think that way, right? Especially not in the house of the Lord. But the thing is, we are on mission. We are on mission. Instead of coming to the house where you will receive encouragement, you stay home, you love, you, you gotta love being depressed. You gotta love it. You gotta love being defeated. You gotta love feeling defeated. You gotta love that to then not bring yourself here. Your situation can't and won't ever get any better by staying and locking yourself at home. Your situation can't and won't ever get better <laughs> by locking yourself at home. It just won't happen. This is where you find motivation. This is where you're reminded that you're loved. This is where. Don't stay home. Answer those phone calls and text messages because some people that have been locked up, which I hope you're watching right now. I really do. I know people have reached out. Various people have reached out to some people. They've texted. They've called. Don't leave those unanswered. The devil is, uh, he, he's like a lion, a roaring lion, seeking whom he could devour. And let me go to National Geographic Station real quick, right? Do you know how lions, like how they end up with their prey? It's usually the one that's separated from the pack. It's usually the one that couldn't keep up or the one that decided to stray away or the one that, it's the one that's not with the rest of the pack. The lion will devour it. And if the Bible tells us simple, the devil is like a lion, a roaring lion seeking whom he could devour. Oh, let me see. Veronica, oh, she's slipping away. She's slipping away. She's slipping away. Oh, she don't want to go no more. She don't want to talk to nobody from church anymore. She doesn't want to, um, she just wants to hide in her house. Oh, okay. She's not trusting God in her situation anymore. Okay. So that's the part, that's more space, more space, more space. And he's like, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait. And he's just waiting there, waiting there, waiting there. Because if he were to come in here, oh, he about to get, he about to get lit up. But he waits till you separate from the pack. And then he devours you. And then you and then you wonder, like, how did I end up here? How did I get here? I once was so passionate for the things of God. I, I, was, I once was so passionate for his word. I once had a desire to serve him and, to, and, and, and for him to, to use me in a powerful way. I had this desire to, to be, for him to be glorified through my life. I had this desire. I don't understand how I got here. Church doesn't save you. Like being in this room right here, that doesn't save you, but it helps you. It helps your walk. I'm so big on making an intentional effort to say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm still going to go. I don't, you know what? I'm going through some things in my life, but I need to still go. It's not new. I mean, I, I know I, I, as a, as a, Senior pastor, I think I see it more. But throughout all of my life in church, I, it's not new to, to see that people were, would disappear when things don't go well in their lives. And it just doesn't make sense. Oh, but pastor, I'm suffering with depression and anxiety and, 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 and um, this and that. I'm like, the God that I serve can heal that. The God that I serve can set you free from that. Do you understand? Thirdly, Elijah was in the aftermath of a great victory on Mark Hamill. So here's the, and these are the things that are making him vulnerable. One, he's exhausted. He's tired. Second, he separates himself when he should have maintained fellowship, and now he's by himself in a time like this. Thirdly, he has just come off this great victory. So what does that mean? Well, what does 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12? Let's read this. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. 
you guys get this verse? Because sometimes we like to pop our collar after we do something real great, right? It's in moments like that that we're not careful. If we're not careful, yep, pride sets in, the enemy just swoops right in. If we're not careful, we become most vulnerable after a great victory. I did so good. I was amazing. Dennis, did you see how good I was? Did you see that? Did you see how good I did? And then don't be surprised when he slips right in and, and he, re- <laughs> he removed, because we removed God from the victory. You see what I'm saying? Don't be surprised when we're like, wait, what happened? Because we were just boasting about what we did and we removed God from the equation. And it happens on all levels of our walk with God. Sometimes like, oh, no, when you're, when you're a beginner, you have to be careful. You always have to give God the glory. I just saw a minister the other day bragging about all the things that he had done. He, we did this, we, we, we. And then there was, a, there was someone with him, and he, and, and he was like, God's right. God be the glory. God be the glory. God be the, it was like he had to be like reminding, reminding, reminding. God, God, if you're not careful, that's what happens. Because, you know, he, he, that, that minister knows better. I mean, he knows. But, it, but if, we're, if we're just like this, just like this, it could sneak in. Just like that. We have to be careful that even after great victories that we don't remove God from that victory. Fourth, Elijah began to drown in self-pity. This I see a lot too. (gasps) (laughs) My life is so horrible. I feel so sorry for myself. My situation is horrible. My current position in life, oh, poor me. This victim mentality, right? This victim mentality will definitely make us vulnerable for the enemy to be like, oh, he ready. He's serving it up. He heating himself up for me. We begin to blame everyone else, but we never take ownership of our own actions, our own, you know, our own faults, right? Let me tell you something. We can never, ever receive help or change our current situations if we're not willing to accept our own personal responsibility. If you want help, you have to understand the things that perhaps you did that were not right, the mistakes that you made. You want God to change your situation then that's what, what is confessing? Lord, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done these things. It takes confession. It takes repentance. Repentance is acknowledging that you did something you wasn't supposed to do, and now you're asking God for forgiveness, right? So un- unless we repent, which is acknowledge where we go wrong and ask for forgiveness, we can't move forward. Discouragement caused Elijah to depart from God, and he ended up in this cave. Did you know that discouragement is a cancer to success? Like if you have success and you hear he's, this is success, discouragement comes in as a cancer. And if it's not dealt with, it begins to spread, and it becomes depression. It becomes depression in his life. That's why the Bible tells us in various places to encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. It's important, church. Can you imagine coming in to this place, feeling defeated, feeling so, so unmotivated and, and just, you know, not worthy of, of anything, for then all of a sudden you come here and your sister's like, yo, you, I'm, I'm happy to see you. Oh, by the way, 
You know, I just want to talk about the other day you were talking about the, it was amazing. You really, you really blessed my heart. Thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you for just the other day I saw you hugging my child. She was going through a tough time. You know, you know she needed that. You know, and so you don't realize, but this is why we need to talk with one another, communicate with one another. We need to get to know one another. Like, um, I could understand if there were 4,000 people in our church that we we're like, yeah, I don't know them. I've never met that person. But you know how many people have not met each other here? This is not a mega church for us to not know everybody in this church. We got to get to know. If you don't know someone, go up to that person. Listen, we haven't spoken before, but you're my sister, and this is our church. What's up? What's your name? Let's, let's get to know each other. We need to build relationships. We need to encourage one another. Because it's, you know what? I know it's hard to encourage someone that you just never spoken to before. So let's start speaking to each other. Let's start building relationships with one another. And let's continue to encourage one another because we're not finding that in the streets. We're not finding that in this world. The church, the church is called to encourage one another. Elijah became so discouraged that he became depressed. He allowed his emotions to dominate his life. Guys, I'm not saying that you should feel condemned if you're depressed. I'm not saying you should feel condemned if you're discouraged. I'm not saying that you should. I'm just saying that, guess what? These are all human emotions. These are all human feelings. Elijah, a great man of God, he went through this too. So we will go through these things as well. But the difference is that we serve a God, right, that we know can get us out of this. We can't just, we can't let these feelings determine the rest of our life. We can't be led by these feelings. Or are we being led by God? Like, who, who, who are we following? Who are you following? You following depression? Or are you following God? You're following anxiety? Or are you following God? Are you following discouragement or are you following God? Are you, fo- are, you, are you following sadness? Are you following God? I mean, I mean, who are you following? Because if, if, you, if this is how you sound, I'm so, I have so much anxiety and, and depression. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to, which I don't know. I, I kind of like, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be sensitive. I'm trying to be sensitive because those people are already in a bad state. So I'm trying to be sensitive because it's, it's, it's a hard place to get out of, but you can come out of it. You can come out of it. And, and, and the thing is this, the thing is this, the thing where I, I do get mixed signals is like you're too, you have too much anxiety, depression, and discouragement to come to the house of the Lord where you can be encouraged, where you can find liberation, but you went to the birthday party, you went to the block party, you still go out to the pool, and you went to the beach, and you did all these things. I'm like, if you are truly depressed, how are you doing all these things? I, I don't, that, that's why I was trying to think, do I say it, do I not? But it's the truth. It's the truth. You're too depressed to come to the house of the Lord. But you still went to the beach. You still went to the pool. You still went to the park. You still went to the party. I mean, I, I mean, I, so, so, so listen, if you find yourself in that state right now in your life and you're like, yo, pastor's talking about me. He's coming at my life. Yeah, okay, I am coming at that. I am. I am. But it's to shake you up. It's to shake you up and says it, you, you, got, you got to trust God. Your trust is in all the wrong things, all the wrong things. You got to trust him. He can take you out of where we're at. All those places that you are going to in the midst of your depression, anxiety, and stress, they can't do nothing for you. They can't do anything for you. This is where we find healing. This is where we find liberation. This is where we find freedom. When we allow our, I guess I said all this. When we allow this, when we allow to be led by our emotions, we we end up taking our eyes off of God. When we become more concerned about what people may think. Because that's another thing. You're like, oh, I'm going through so much. I'm going to go. They're going to see my, my mess. So what? Like none of us have been in a mess before? 
Like, that's not, I mean, so you're a mess. Guess what? I've been a mess. Sometimes I'm still a mess. So guess what? Don't, that, that shouldn't stop anybody from, from, from being like, oh, well, what are people going to think? Uh, we're going to think that you're strong enough to get yourself here and ask for prayer. That's what I'm going to think. Glad you made it. Yep. The Bible tells us to fear God, not people. That's scary when we start thinking too much about what people think. Because it's like we could care less about what God may think because what people may think, I don't know. Elijah is moved by his feelings rather than his faith in God. We're supposed to move by faith, not by sight, right? He goes into this cave, this hole in the earth, right? He's isolated. It's dark without any natural light. But if we are walking in the light, then darkness cannot conquer us. Do you understand that? Because sometimes, you know, I know, we get, I know we're thinking of, of a cave, physical cave, but sometimes, you know, we're in a cave and we're still walking freely all around. We're in a dark place. But if you are walking within the light, then darkness cannot overwhelm you. Jesus is that light. Jesus is that light. How many times do we find ourselves in a cave giving up because someone didn't like me the way I thought they should like me? How could you not like me? What? Well, I know why people don't like me. I, I, hey, I'm aware. Well, that's another thing that was mentioned at the men's night, self-awareness, right? A couple guys like, no, I'm aware of where I'm wrong. I'm aware of, we talked about, a little about that, right? So it, it, I, I'm aware why people don't like me right? But some of us, you know, we, we find ourselves giving up or crying or depressed or all discouraged because people, you know, they talk about us or they, they, they don't think the way we want them to or they don't want us around or they don't want to be around us. What was that? How did it, how did it go again? The, when the, I say, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter. That's what we need to remember. It should be, a, it should be, it should be like a little tagline somewhere. It doesn't matter when it comes to things like that. Now, Elijah wishes he was dead. He wants to die. Why does he want to die? At this moment, he wants to die because he's too concentrated on himself. He's, he's thinking about himself. He's thinking about me. That's what he's doing, right? Look at me. I'm the only one, and they're not listening. Oh, no one's listening. That sounds like my daughter. They didn't listen to me. They don't have to listen to you. She gets really angry. They didn't do what I said to them. I, oh, okay, well, you're not their mom. You're not their parent. And she cries, and she gets upset, and that's us. I didn't get my way. People are not listening. And we cry, oh, Jesus, God. And God's like, okay. Um, you're, just, you're supposed to be doing something because I told you to do it. And that's the bottom line. If I tell you to do it, you do it out of obedience. He's not, he, the, the rest has nothing to do with you. You understand? The rest has nothing to do with you. Second, he forgets that it was God who chose him. This is what we're talking about. He was on assignment. He was told to do something. 2 Timothy 4 Two to three says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently uh, correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I have a little note here that says maybe on the next part. So I'm going to go with yes. That doesn't happen here. Okay? So if you are watching or if you are here and you want me to say things that will soothe the itching ears that you may have, I will save you the frustration 
and tell you to find another church because that is not what we're going to do here. Okay? Find the church. Find another church. This is the wrong place. Find another church that you can go and that you can be a speck in the crowd and that there will be no accountability for how you live your life. You want to live shacked up? Live shacked up. Just come on Sundays. You want to be an alcoholic? Be an alcoholic. You want to be a drug addict? Be a drug addict. You want to be an abuser? Be an abuser. Just show up on Sundays. Sit in the crowd. Clap. Be a number. Make, make, make the church's kingdom look better. Because at that point, it's no longer about the kingdom of God. Because if it was about the kingdom of God, they would care about your soul. They would care about being, holding you accountable to what the word says. And then guess what? There's, there's just lots of churches that might, you might be able to find a good church like that if you need to. It's not hard to find a church that way. People don't like accountability, but it will save your life. It will save your soul. Accountability is not fun when someone says, um, you do know the Bible says this, right? Like, you do, you do understand that what you're doing right now is contrary to the Word of God? Ugh. Because now you have to make a decision to repent or to continue living in sin. Getting back to the cave, getting back to the cave. God can bring us out. No matter how far deep we find ourselves, we can't give up. We can't give up because God is not through with you yet. Remember, you know how that saying, he ain't through with you yet? Some people, we, 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 we have these high moments in our walk with God, and we think like, well, that was it. I'm good. God isn't through with you. If he was through with you, guess where you would be right now? Can, can, can I be honest with you? If God was through with you right now, you'd be up there with him hanging out. If he was through with you. If you wake up in the morning, that you should be reminded, well, God has something for me today. Because he woke me up. He's not through with you yet. God is saying, change your position. Get up and walk to the entrance of the cave. That's why I said we're going to go back to that. Remember, it says he walked and he walked to the entrance of the cave. God is saying, come to the entrance of the cave. I'm going to speak to you. We can't hear from the Lord when we're deep down in our cave. Because all our emotions, all our feelings, all that junk that took us there is clouding out the, word of, the voice of God. We need to separate from the negative environment, from negative relationships, toxic relationships. We need to separate ourselves and take steps toward the entrance. I'm not saying leave the cave. Obviously, you can't leave the cave because you're still in the cave, right? But you got to take steps that will take you to the entrance of the cave. And if you wait, you will hear the voice of God. Stop listening to every ungodly person or thing. Oh, my goodness. We can go on on that for a while. I'm just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I'm really going through something. All right, well, you want to, oh, no, I was talking to my girlfriend. Okay. What church did you go to? Oh, no, she don't go to church. Oh, is she a Christian? No, no, well, well, she used to go when she was, you know, four years old. Okay. All right. Stop listening to every ungodly person or thing. Change the scenery about, around you. We're, we're, these are things that we, are, we do to help us walk out this cave, Okay. We're in the cave. We understand the things that take us to the cave, but we serve a God that will bring us out. We got to do some things though, right? We got to put some skin in the game. And so we separate ourselves from some things that are toxic. We change the scenery around us, the associations around us. We have, many of us have the wrong people in our circle. Wrong people will influence you in the wrong ways. You know how it is. 
You hear one song 10 times, you're singing that song later no matter what. It's the same thing with people. You hang out with somebody over and over again, you're going to sound like them, you're going to talk like them, you're going to repeat the same things they say. It happens. I, I, I had a, a best friend growing up, and, and I, we were like identical in how we spoke and how we reacted. And I mean, because we were always together. We found the same things funny that some people didn't. <laughs> but it was because we were always together. Whoever you have in your circle is going to influence you no matter what. So create a circle of God-fearing men and women so that you can grow. Actually, you know what? Right now, in your brain, I want you to put together a circle of people that you hang out with and talk with on a daily basis that are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you are struggling to put five together, then you need help. You, you, need, you need to do better. You need to do better. Okay? Next, God performs a miracle. He, he needs to... <laughs> There's more than five people in this church. Again, get to know each other, right? Third, uh, uh, God performs a miracle. The next thing he does, the earthquake, the wind, the fire. But God notices, but notice this, God was not in the miracle. He wasn't in the miracle. Did you know that the miracle was just to get his attention? There's been miracles in our lives to get your attention so that you will listen to God. Jesus performed many miracles, but the miracles don't save people. I know many of us want a miracle. And you know what? God could give us a miracle or he won't. But the thing is, the miracle doesn't save you. But it reminds you who does. Right? It points to who can. The miracles that Jesus did didn't save them, but it convinced them to believe and receive the word of God as truth. And God has performed already the greatest miracle of all time through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That miracle saves when you receive it and believe it. Thirdly, uh, God speaks to him in a small voice. I think I used this illustration a while ago. There was a little, there was a men working, uh, putting hay in, a, in, a, in one of those big containers. You know, I, I don't, they were going to ship it somewhere. It's like a storage container looking thing. Sorry for the, for the lack of terminology, but they're shoveling, they're, they're pushing the, all the hay in there, right? Pushing the hay in there, putting hay in there. And all of a sudden, when they come out, one of the men notices that he lost his watch. His watch that was a family, like, what do you call it, an heirloom that was passed from generation to generation to generation. And he's like, oh, my watch. And so now the men are in there, and they're, like, going through all the hay. There's a whole bunch. It's a big container. And there's, like, five, ten guys in there, and they can't find it. They call it a day, they leave. Here comes a little boy seeing the efforts of these men and was like, he wants to help too. And they weren't letting him help because he was getting in the way. But now they're gone and he's going to go in there by himself. He goes in there and he closes himself in. Now the men are in the distance. They're watching this young boy and they're like, look at him. What's he doing in there? And after some time, the door opens. And the little boy comes out, and he has this big grin on his face. And he's like, I found the watch. And all the men are like, what? How? We had 10 guys in there, you know, moving everything around and, and this and that. And you just, here is this little child that went in there by himself. And not only did he go himself by himself, but he closed himself in, which means he made it dark in there, right? How did he find the watch? So the men, the men said, how'd you do it? What did you do? He said, nothing. I went in there, I closed the door, and I sat down still 
and I waited to hear the ticking of the watch. The ticking of the watch, and it led me to the watch, and I found it. A still, small voice. God will speak in a still, small voice many times to us, and we are just so busy with the pitchforks and everything, trying to find the voice of God, trying to find the purpose of God, trying to find the, the direction of where he wants And We're like moving, flipping couches and looking for it and everything, and God is saying, stay still for a moment. Stop hyperventilating about your life for a moment. Stop stressing for a moment and listen so that you can hear my voice. In a still small voice, he commissions Elijah on a new assignment. God is so big. Bigger than our anxiety, our depression, our discouragement, all that stuff. He's so big <laughs> that when Elijah went, with, Elijah went with him and said, oh, this is why I'm here. He was like, anyways, I need you to go here. I need you to do this. I'll, I'll take care of all that. Do this. And that's what he's telling us today. The anxiety, the stress, the depression, everything that you might be feeling right now that keeps you from moving forward or keeps you from leaving your cave, God is telling you, you have an assignment to do. So he needs you to start making your way toward that assignment. All those other things he'll take care of. He'll take care of it. It's time to come out the cave. Yes, you've been struggling with your emotions, loneliness, hopelessness, discouragement. Yes, yes, I get it. But take those steps toward the mouth of the cave. And by doing that, you're saying enough. Like you guys can't possibly, if you find yourself in this situation, you can't possibly think, like that, that you can't possibly be enjoying this. When will you say enough? Enough. Start taking those steps toward the entrance. Toward the one that can set you free. So, so he tells Elijah, you got business to do. I need you to go anoint Hazel, king over Syria. And that's pretty much where he stopped. But then he said he had another job. He anointed Jehu, king over Israel. And then anointed Elisha as his successor as his successor. Imagine if he would have just died in that cave. There are some very important things that have happened in the history of the Bible with those people that he was, that he was sent to anoint. Sometimes we have to be reminded that when we're in our cave, Number one, God has sent us on a mission. It is not about me. And the feelings that you are feeling that are keeping you bound, he can set you free from that. So get closer to him so that he can free you from that, save you from that. And then another thing I, I, we have to be reminded in the cave is that it's not just about us. Like the work that you are going to do, the assignment that he has you on, it's going to impact. It's, it's got a chain reaction. You understand? Like, 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 like at one point, Taina Mutter found herself in a cave, right? And she, and she made a decision to follow Christ. And her decision to follow Christ, it, it had an impact. And now, now Nini's here serving Christ and following Christ. And her decision to be public about her love for God is having an impact. And don't you, that's why we can't just be, it's about me. We don't know the people that will be impacted through your obedience generations that you may never see because you decided 
I am not going to stay in this cave. Church, can you stand with me this morning? In closing, I want you to say that God wants to anoint you for his service. Prayer team, can I have you guys come down? God wants you, God wants to anoint you for his service today, today, today. So even if you find yourself in a cave, guess what? Today, you can leave here free from that cave. He wants to anoint you today for his service. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be baptized. He wants you to get filled with his Holy Spirit he wants you speaking the word. He wants you singing. He wants you working for the kingdom. He wants you winning souls for the kingdom. Ask yourself, am I doing these things? And if not, it's okay. It's all right. But I want you to know that today can be the beginning of that. Today, we can pray for you. We can pray for you. The altar is open. We want to pray with you this morning. If you need healing and if there's something physical that has kept you in a cave and you haven't been able to leave your cave because of some physical pains or, or situations in your body and your health, we want to pray with you this morning. And the altar is open. If anxiety, depression, if discouragement has held you captive, we want to pray with you this morning. If you're watching online and you suffer from these things, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you too. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to reach your coworkers. He wants to use you to reach your family members, your, your friends. You need to get out that cave. In, in, in a sense, not only does your own life depend on it, your own soul depend on it, but the souls of others possibly as well. You need to get out the cave. And it starts with taking the steps toward the entrance of the cave. So this morning, I want to say that, let's say that the altar this morning is the entrance of the cave. This is the entrance of the cave. So walking toward the altar is taking steps toward the entrance of the cave. And that's all you need to do. And give it to God. Do you believe that he can set you free? Do you believe that he can heal you? Do you believe that he can break the chains that have kept you bound for so long? Take the steps of faith this morning. Enough is enough. Take the steps of faith this morning and come to the altar so we can pray for you. We aren't truly living if we're living in a cave. We serve a powerful God that can set you free. Who is willing to take the steps of faith with him? Who is brave enough this morning to say enough of this? Enough. I'm done giving in to these feelings. I'm done running away from my assignment. It is not even about me. It is all about you, Lord. I'm done. It's not about me. It's about you. Father God, right now, look at those that are standing here this morning. Look at those that are watching online. Father God, we need you. We need you, Lord. Many of us have found ourselves in a cave from time to time, Lord, brought there by our emotions and our feelings giving in to them, allowing it to overwhelm us. Father, we serve a powerful God. You are powerful. You are almighty. 
Help me hold on to you the next time I'm feeling depressed. Help me, remind me to hold on to you the next time I feel anxious. Help me and remind me to hold on to you when I'm discouraged, when I'm lonely, when I find myself in a sad place in my life. Help me hold on to you. Fill me, Lord, with your joy. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit. Continue to build me up that I may be bold and courageous and stand firm in your word, knowing that I have been chosen, knowing that I have an assignment, knowing, Father God, that the souls of others are at stake. 